In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H FM's. Fifty-six degrees outside, headed up to sixty-eight or high, but it's going to be mostly cloudy. Looking ahead tomorrow, uh, possible some rain. A high two degrees higher, seventy. And for the weekend, Saturday, a mix of sun and, sh- and rain. 65 are high, 47 are low, Sunday about the same. Well, I guess less mention of rain on Sunday. But golly, Scott, looking ahead, uh, Monday, 77 and beautiful, 80 beautiful Uh, on Tuesday, I mean. Uh, Monday and Tuesday are supposed to be really special. Yeah, a little warm-up trend coming, what, beginning Monday? Yeah, well, actually, those uh, temperatures in the high 70s and 80s, lower 80s, looks like it's all through next week. Yeah, of course, we're going to have rain Saturday, and then beautiful sunshine Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Back to the work week. (laughs) Well, it is spring. It is springtime. All right, well, good morning, folks. Welcome. Uh, We've had a busy week. Uh, Today, a Thursday edition. And um, today and tomorrow, free-for-all editions. I think that's right. Um, Today is May 5th. Now, uh, some of the things we normally do when we don't have a guest. Today is National Day of Prayer. Prayer. Cinco de Mayo, National Astronaut Day, World Password Day, National Totally Chipotle Day, National Science, I'm sorry, National Silence the Shame Day, National Hoagie Day, only two more. National Cartoonists Day and National Day of Reason. That's um, that's a bunch. Did you uh, begin celebrating Cinco de Mayo last night? And no, sir. With your uh, well, where wherever you are carousing on. Wednesday evenings? Don't you have a Wednesday evening weekly get-together? Sure. Um, But we were not at a Mexican place last Uh night. Now, um, today is Cinco de Mayo, right? Yes. So I suspect that uh, El Camino or Lulu's place, um, Graham Ranchero, you know, all our Mexican um, restaurants will have uh, some extra business tonight. Mm-hmm. 
Casa will probably be crowded. Casa Nueva, I'm speaking of. Right. So, yeah, I'm guessing a lot of patronization going on, like you mentioned. Margaritas. Looking uh, back a day, yesterday was Bird Day, (laughs) National Star Wars Day, National Orange Juice Day, National Interpreter Appreciation Day. Um, so we, we've officially done that. Okay, with yesterday being Star Wars Day, mm-hmm. remember what the date is yesterday. Okay, say say May, what yesterday's date is. May 4th? Put, put the in between. May the 4th? B. With, um, oh, I get <laughs> it. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah, I had not caught that. Yeah, they, it's every every year they do the Star Wars Day on May the Fourth. Be with you. Yeah. I don't know how many times I heard that yesterday on the newscasts or calls or visiting. You know, seeing people, things yeah. like that too. I'm like, yep, May the Fourth be with you that, too. That totally. <laughs> totally was not recognized by me until this very moment. But I like it. <laughs> All right. Historical stuff. In the year 1260, Kublai Khan, grandson of Genghis Khan, <coughs> excuse me, becomes ruler of the Mughal Empire. Mongol. 1941, Ethiopian Emperor Haile Selassie returns to, is it Addis Ababa, Ababa, well, anyway, the Ethiopian Emperor returns, 1941. 1955, West Germany is granted full sovereignty by its three occupying powers. Hard enough with two. Imagine what it must be like with three. But it's certainly better than having one. You know what I mean? Um, to have to, to have two different opinions working both for the same good cause. We hope. Yeah. Well, that's the the type of society we live in. Yeah. You know, we have all all different angles on different things. 1965, the first large-scale U.S. Army ground units arrive in South Vietnam. I was drafted, um, I guess, three years later. 1980s, the siege at Iranian embassy in London ends as the SAS and police storm. That's 1980. In 1981, after 66 days on a hunger strike, the 26-year-old provisional IRA member and British uh, MP Bobby Sands dies in the Mays prison 
nine more hunger strikers that died in the next over the next three months. Let's dig into that one just a bit. Um, what is it again? 1981 hunger strikes. Provisional IRA members and a British MP. Mays Prison. So, what were these hunger strikes? What caused these prisoners, I, I suppose, to. To make the decision to go on a hunger strike. Uh, well, it, it says, how long did it last? With the document in transit to Belfast, uh, Hughes took the decision to save McKenna's life and end the strike after 53 days. And I'm still trying to find the reason yeah. why. Uh, these, the, were, these were detainees, right? Yes, uh, 1981 Irish hunger strike uh, was the culmination of a five-year protest during the troubles by Irish Republican prisoners in Northern Ireland. Ireland uh, began as a blanket protest in 1976 when the British government withdrew special category status, prisoner of war rather than criminal status for convicted paramilitary prisoners in 1978 they withdrew that status and then the dispute escalated into the dirty protest where prisoners refused to leave their cells to wash and covered the walls of their cells with excrement and in 1987 prisoners participated in the first hunger strike which ended after 53 days wow um they really were committed to uh, their stories yeah to to do all of that yeah one one uh it was a showdown between the prisoners and Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, hmm. and one hunger striker, Bobby Sands, was elected as a member of Parliament during the strike, prompting media interest from around the world. Yeah, I'll bet. And it was called off after 10 prisoners had starved themselves to death, including Bobby Sands. Well, let's continue with... Um things about today so uh, next we have um, well famous birthdays that's a little brighter normally anyway so let's see let's look at the years here this the oldest uh, t birthday we're celebrating today is that of Leopold II he was born in 1747 he died in 1792 Leopold II. He was the second king of the Belgians from 1865 to 1909, and through his own efforts, the owner and absolute ruler of the Congo Free State from 1885 to 1908. Wait a minute. That can't be. Or else one, either, maybe this one's in error, but it says his life was 1747 to 1792. Okay, let's try that one. 
1792. Yeah. Okay. Um, Leopold II, Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, unusually for his time, he opposed capital punishment and abolished it in Tuscany in 1786 during his rule there, making it the first nation in modern history to do so. Wow. Okay. Uh, the next eldest, Karl Marx. Karl with a K, of course. Um, born in 1818, died in 1883. He was a German philosopher, critic of political economy. He was an economist, historian, sociologist, political theorist, journalist, and socialist revolutionary. His best-known titles are the 1848 pamphlet, The Communist Manifesto, and three-volume Das Kapital. Now, I'm going to challenge you in more ways than one. Tammy Wynette. Tammy Wynette? Now, hang on. Do we have anything in the library? Um, I don't know if we do or not. I can look. My guess is probably not. Really? Yeah, but I can look. Let's do a quick okay. peek. Uh, Tammy Wynette. Uh, this would have been her birthday. Um, but the year was 1942. And... Um, nope. No, we got two other Tammies, but not Tammy Wynette. References. Yeah. Do you have any? Um, do you remember her at all? Oh yes. Okay. She sang with George Jones frequently. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, this would have been her birthday. She was born in uh, 1942. She died in 1998. Now, the last birthday we have to mention for this date. Is someone we see on TV a fair amount? Adele, right? Yes. And she's celebrating her 34th birthday today. Now, um... Adele Laurie Blue Adkins, known mononymously, there's a word for you. Yeah. Not anonymously, but mononymously <laughs> as Adele, is an English singer and songwriter she is one of the world's best-selling music artists with sales over 120 million records. After graduating in arts from the Brit School in 2006, Adele signed a record deal with XL Recordings. Two, be uh, two deaths to mention. Uh, one... Uh, we won't need to describe too much about. It's that of Napoleon Bonaparte. He was born in 1769, died on this date in 1821. Now this other one I'll need a little help with. It's Carlos Saavedra Lamas. So the last name, L-A-M-A-S. Carlos Lamas. He was born in 1878 and died in 1959. He was an Argentine academic and politician, and in 1936, 
the first Argentine Nobel Peace Prize recipient. If I mention the name Nellie Bly, B-L-Y, um, what, what, what's, what do they have to say about Nellie? That's I-E, Bly. Elizabeth Cochran Seaman, better known by her pen name Nellie Bly, was an American journalist, industrialist, inventor, and charity worker who was widely known for her record-breaking trip around the world. And oh, oh in, in less than 80 days. Yes. Uh, let's see. One of her works, her books, include uh, Around the World in 72 Days, 10 Days in a Madhouse, <laughs> yeah. uh, 6 Months in Mexico, and uh, Women in Journalism, the best of Maddie, or excuse me, the best of Nellie Bly. Well. And let's see. It says here, what was she most famous for? She was a pioneer in investigative journalism. Her reporting introduced readers to the horrors of insane asylums and to international travel. She apparently was in an asylum, hmm. re uh, referencing her book, Ten Days in a Madhouse. She endured ten days inside a psychiatric hospital. One of 15 children. I had, um, wow, it's a big family. Yeah. I had, um, folks, you may have heard of Harding Hospital. It was in Worthington. Worthington's my hometown. Uh, the Harding family were personal friends of our family. This was a psychiatric facility. And indeed, they had some areas that were, how would you put it, where their <clears throat> patients were under strict supervision. I had the opportunity on two occasions to tour such a facility, if you will, if tour is the right word. You know, there's been movies made of that sort of thing. And frankly, the movies aren't too inaccurate. It's, um, it just makes you feel awful. That these people can't enjoy the feeling of freedom. That they can't go to uh, a restaurant of choice each evening or um, you know what I mean because they have moments where they can harm either themselves or others oh well that's heavy isn't it well yeah but you know a lot of that is true and they, we had you the know they they can't do what most of us enjoy 
doing. We had a very similar facility in the state hospital up on the ridges. And uh, <clears throat> some of the people that formerly worked there, the stories they tell, a lot of them they don't want to tell. Yep. But uh, if you get them in a certain mood and they open up a little bit again, unfortunate. Yeah. Um, speaking of Nellie Bly again, I mentioned that she was an inventor. I looked up what she invented. Uh, she has a couple patents with the U.S. Patent Office, one for a novel milk can that a lot of farmers used and uh, for stacking garbage cans and also the 55-gallon oil drum. You know, Thursday is, uh, in my neighborhood, um, refuse day, right? City comes around, picks up garbage cans, or empties garbage cans and recycling can, uh, bins. I was halfway to work this morning before I remembered it. Now, there's one... I can tell you, we didn't have that much, so <clears throat> we will not be overflowing next week. We'll just have a good supply. But uh, I was driving down the street and noticed all my neighbors had their cans out. I just had lost track of what day of the week it was. Thursday yeah. is our day. And you see that, and you're like, oh, I knew I forgot something. Yep, yep, exactly. You walk out of the house, and you just know you're forgetting something. I did that? see, um, sure, it <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> I saw one person in a city truck. Okay, so the city now does uh, food scraps too, right? All right. And um, now how does that happen? Okay, they so in the old days you bought a garbage can and that's it. Okay. Then along came recycling. The city supplied these roll-out recycling bins. Yep. And then, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, they started to do uh, food scraps. And um, so they provided a five-gallon bucket with a cap. And um, so you're supposed to set that out, too. And I did see the uh, the city truck going down the road doing that first this morning. Which, but um, let's see here. I've sort of forgotten. What do they do with the scrap? That was my next question. Does it go I, this, to local this farmers? Was, this or? was a great story. I just use your computer there. What am I looking up? Um. Let's go Athens, Ohio, food scraps, food... Um, Would it be on the city's webpage, possibly? Well, I'm sure it's there somewhere. It's just how fast can we get to it. Um, here, we do have a caller, though. They may be able to help yeah, us a whole maybe lot. maybe so. So let's see. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Those food scraps go to a... Uh, re um, what do you, a, a <laughs> I suddenly had a... Didn't know what I was going to say next. Yeah, it happens here all the time. <laughs> it goes to a compost uh, a site. There's That's a compost right. site. That's right. That's right. 
and then and then they turn that over, I guess, and what have you, and that's six fifty a month. You're not required to be under that, however. Well, there's a charge to recycle food scraps. There is. It's six dollars and fifty cents, I think. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Is there a charge for recycling? You bet. Really? You bet. And the water, and the sewer, and th- those just went up quite a bit. Yeah. It, your your average, uh, if you have one or uh, zero to one thousand gallons of water, for example, you'll pay somewhere in the neighborhood around. I'm averaging it out about sixty three dollars, sixty four dollars a month. Well, I, you know, I expect. You better look at your bill. I expect all of that, but I just um, I thought garbage collection. Well, actually, sixty-three dollars and whatever it is, that would that would be your normal if you didn't have what you have. You have six fifty on your bill. I don't. The six fifty is for what? That, that's that's for your uh, for the scraps. composting for that green okay. bucket. I don't do that. Bucket. I don't do that. You don't do a green bucket? No. Oh, then make sure it's not on your bill. Okay. Well, I will. Because they give you a green bucket, but you have to make them take the green bucket back. Yeah. Yeah, some guy goes around with a flatbed, and he... Yeah, and I saw him this morning. And, yeah, and, this and he does that, yeah. It's always a guy, I think, that does that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be opening those cans. <laughs> well, yeah, but... Now, I, I put out um, a lot of trimmings. You're not supposed to. That's supposed to go into into your yard waste, and that is a totally separate thing, and they come and buy and pick that up. And that price increased as well. It's a couple dollars for a 30-gallon, uh, I mean, yeah, trash bag or whatever it is that you have, have with that. They want you to bundle your stick. They don't want you to. You've been telling everybody you've been putting that in your trash. You're not supposed to put that no, in your No, I trash. mean, it has its own can. They, yes, but they it's can not supposed see to go it. in the garbage. Okay, well, somebody's saying that's cool in taking it. Um, so I don't know. Um, and that's I don't your know. garbage people, and they're not supposed to do that. But okay. that's what that's what's happening at your house. <laughs> you better look at your bill and see what what you're paying for. Yeah, it may be several hundred bucks. I don't know. Well, it could <laughs> <laughs> not not a month, but it could add up. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, okay. Thanks very much. Hey, thanks for your help. <laughs> you're welcome. Okay. Bye bye. Nine seventy W A T H. All right. Here we go. I found something on the city's website. Uh, let's see. If my bucket is not full, should I put it out for pickup? You can, or you can wait until next week when it is more full. This is food scraps. Yes. What happens to the food scraps that I put in the bucket? They go to the Athens Hawking Organics and are turned into finished compost. Okay. And then that compost, are we welcome to use some of that, too? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I wonder. Does it go to farmers? Does it go to fertilize gardens in the area does it go to folks that and of course if you think about it things? during the course of a week if you put certain things in on the day the first day of that week um there's a reason there's a lid on it yeah right it gets, gets a little funky funky smelling yeah turns into a science experiment so um I would think that even if you only had it a quarter full, you'd still want to dispose of it each week. Uh, yeah, I certainly would, yes. <laughs> I don't need that aroma around, yeah. lid, lid or no lid. Right. 
Here's the items to compost, they say. Fruit and vegetable scraps. Yep. Coffee grounds and tea bags. Okay. Meat, eggs, and dairy. Uh, paper towels and napkins. Bread and grains. Uh, they say... Uh, but they include paper towels and napkins. That's yeah. interesting. Yep. And grains. Okay. Yep. And that's, that's the list they have posted. So... Huh. Uh, well, anyway, uh, our city doing a good job of trying to um, utilize these things rather than simply throwing them into a dump. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they've got a paragraph here that has a headline on it that says, but composting is gross and smelly. Really? <laughs> I think we made that clear a little uh, bit ago. I, I think so. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, once your bucket. Let's see. Crews dump the material in their collection vehicle, deliver it to the composting facility at uh, the industrial drive location on the plains. Wood chips are added to the food scraps, yep. and it is processed there for three to six months before it turns into a soil amendment. Then the finished product is available for sale to the public. Ah, okay. How about that? Well, maybe... Use it for... Go out there and take a look today for a moment and see what the how granular it is and that sort of thing because um, I have some spots I'm trying to have grass come back in. Yep. You know what I mean. This could very well... Help it along. Yep. Be a good, good uh, resolve for that. A soil amendment, amending the soil. As opposed to a congressional amendment? I would think so, yeah. Well, some people think those are pretty soily, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get serious here for a while. Um, In the news, heavy fighting in Maripol. The last Ukrainian defenders guarding... The Avzostal steel plant in the southern city of Maripol continue to face heavy fighting from Russian troops, which attempted to storm the plant. The massive mill covers roughly four square miles and is believed to be the last major pocket of Ukrainian resistance in the besieged port city. Maripol has been under attack since the very start of the Russian invasion. Meanwhile, new reports suggest at least 600 people are presumed dead from airstrikes hitting at a Maripol theater in March. Officials had estimated 300,000 originally. The total number of civilians killed during the fighting in Maripol has been estimated now to be more than 10,000, though a figure has not been confirmed. Separately, the, the European Union's top official proposed having EU nations phase out Russian imports of crude oil within six months and refined products by the end of 2022. 
The proposal would need approval from all 27 members of that block. About 25% of the EU's oil supplies come from Russia. On another matter, the Federal Reserve increased interest rates again for the second time since 2018 in an effort to curb inflation that has hit a high, not well, has hit a 40-year record high. Rates will rise by a half a percentage point. The central bank announced yesterday after a two-day policy meeting, raising the target rate from a quarter of a percent to 0.5%. No, no, no. Starting over. Raising the target rate, which ranges from a quarter to a half, to now... 0.75 to 1. This is the largest rate hike since 2000. And the second of seven increases expected this year. Think of that. Yeah, it's going to make buying things a lot more difficult. Should you need a loan for a house, car, whatever it may be. The Federal Reserve typically targets annual inflation near 2%. In contrast, though, inflation reached an annual rate of 8.5% in March, fueled by post-pandemic spending and government stimulus. Policymakers are trying to slow down the economy by increasing the interest rate, which banks pass on to consumers, of course, who then need to pay more to borrow money for mortgages, car loans, credit cards, and whatever. Costlier, costlier borrowing could prompt consumers to hold off on spending, bringing down prices. Somehow or other, I just don't think that's going to occur. I agree. It's not going to help with inflation either as it's going to contribute that. The final line of this uh, particular story says the central bank also announced plans to reduce asset holdings on its $9 trillion balance sheet starting June 1st. Northern Ireland, they're having an election day. They're casting ballots in potentially historic nationwide elections. The country's Irish National Sinn Féin, F-E-I-N, party, uh, appears set to become the largest member of the country's 90-member parliament. It would mark the first time in more than 100 years the leading party was not a pro-British faction. So we'll just watch and see how that's going. We'll know more tomorrow. Uh, These I think I can hold off. Um, New York Times, let's turn to that for a little bit. 
We have about 11 minutes. So, not good for learning is the headline. What do you think they're talking about? COVID. Well, duh. When COVID-19 began to sweep across the country in March of 2020, schools in every state closed their doors. Remote instruction effectively became a national policy for the rest of that spring. A few months later, however, school districts began to make different decisions about whether to reopen. Across much to the south and the Great Plains as well, as well as pockets of the northeast, schools resumed in-person classes in the fall of 2020. Across much of the Northeast, Midwest, and West Coast, school buildings stay closed, and classes remain online for months. Well, these differences changed a huge experiment. I'm, I'm, I, I read the word wrong. These differences created a huge experiment, testing how well remote learning worked during the pandemic. Academic researchers have since been studying the subject and they have come to a consistent conclusion. Remote learning was a failure. Wow. So in today's newsletter, the writer says he'll cover that research as well as two related questions. What are they? Number one, how might the country help children make up the losses? And second, should schools have reopened earlier, or were the closures a crucial part of the country's COVID response? So let's go on. The next section is entitled, A Generational Loss. Three times a year, Millions of K-12 through students in the U.S. take a test known as the MAP that measures their skills in math and reading. A team of researchers at Harvard's Center for Education Policy Research have used the MAP's results to study learning during a two-year period starting in the fall of 2019 before the pandemic began. The researchers broke the students into different groups based on how much time they had spent attending in-person school during the 2021 school year. The academic year with the most variation in whether schools were open. On average, students who attended in-person school for nearly all of that year lost about 20% worth of a typical school year's math learning during the study's two-year window. Some of those losses stem from the time the students had spent learning remotely during the spring of 2020, 
when school buildings were almost universally closed. And some of the losses stemmed from the difficulties of in-person schooling during the pandemic as families coped with disruption and illness. But students who stayed at home for the most of that 2021 period fared much worse. On average, they lost the equivalent of about 50% of a typical school year's math learning during the study's two-year window. Roberto Rodriguez is on President Biden's educational department said we have seen from this recent study just how large the gaps are. The findings are consistent with their other studies. It's pretty clear that remote schooling was not good for learning. Students learned less if their school was remote than they would have if it had been in person. Most of the alarming findings is that the school closures widened both economic and racial inequality in learning. Um, now here's an interesting interesting statement. One thing they did learn is that math and reading skills improved, especially for black and Latino students. Well, the COVID closures have reversed much of that progress, at least for now. Low-income students, as well as black and Latino students, fell further behind over the past two years relative to students who are high-income, white or Asian. This will probably be the largest increase in educational inequity in a generation. That's according to Thomas Kane, an author of the Harvard study. We've got five minutes left. The two main reasons, first, schools with large numbers of poor students were more likely to go remote. Second, low-income students tended to fare even worse when schools went remote. They may not have had the reliable Internet access, quiet room in which to work, or a parent who would take time off from work to help them solve problems. Together, these factors mean that school closures were what economists call a regressive policy, widening in inequality by doing the most harm to groups that were already vulnerable. Well, the, West, the rest of the article goes into suggesting how that might be fixed. What are some of the ways of fixing it? And... Um, There is no absolute answer, of course. 
Got three minutes, Scott. Where do we stand sports-wise? Sports-wise, well, the Reds are making history, but not the kind they want to make. Have they had a win? Yeah, they, they've won three games. Out three of, of their first 24, I believe. Holy cow. Yeah, they are struggling. They say they have some players coming back off the injured list, but I only can think of one. That's Luis Castillo, pitcher, their number one pitcher. Uh, but he's really good, but I don't think he's going to add a lot of wins because he pitches only every fifth day. And, you know, the the reality of it is is he's not going to win every game he pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need some players to step up. Joey Votto has now gone on the uh, IL COVID-related list which means, yes, he has tested positive for COVID. Uh, there's also some chat that... Wait, let, me, let me make sure, though, once more to hit home. They've won three out of 27 games. 24. 24. Yeah, I think it's I think they're three and 21. They got pounded last night, 18 to three or four, something like that. At Milwaukee, they play Milwaukee again today, and then they host the Pirates this weekend at uh, Great American Ballpark. So uh, there's a little bit of uh, anxiety, shall we say, in Cincinnati regarding the Reds. Uh, Many fans are now wanting the Castellinis to sell the team uh, to some owners who want to put some money into the team. But the Castellinis have had a long period of ownership and success. Why why do they think it's different now? Well, this typically happens when, you know, you're you're circling the drain on a season already and uh, you know, ca- calls come out for owners to sell the team, to get new ownership in, to bring in uh bigger money free agents to pay them the money that other teams are paying them. Uh when I say them, the players that have left recently like uh Nick Castellanos or Castellanos, whichever you prefer, signed a $100 million contract with Philadelphia. That's for five years. But uh, the Reds got into that with Joey Votto, and I think he has maybe two more years on his contract. Reds are still paying him $25 million bucks a year, and uh, he's hitting about a buck thirty, buck $140, maybe. So, uh, you know, they say he doesn't have anyone batting behind him to protect him. It's just baseball lingo so pitchers will be more likely to throw better pitches to Votto so they won't have to face the next batter coming up well the next batter coming up doesn't really pack that punch the Reds are used to having so uh, they're a little bit of a quagmire so to speak right now in Cincinnati and uh, we'll see what happens there the uh, Kentucky Derby coming up tomorrow too or Saturday I believe how about that yeah Folks, unless I'm mistaken, we're out of time. We are. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. We found out this morning COVID deaths around the world are believed to be much higher than reported so far. Correspondent Linda Kenyon has the details. The World Health Organization says nearly 15 million people have been killed by COVID or by its impact on an overwhelmed healthcare system worldwide. 
That figure is more than double the official death toll estimate of 6 million. And experts say the death toll could be much higher than 15 million due to undercounted deaths around the world. In India alone, it's estimated as many as 3 million deaths have gone unreported. COVID deaths in the U.S. are nearing the 1 million mark. A new survey shows parental burnout has soared since the start of the pandemic. It's personal for Dr. Kate Golick, an associate professor of clinical nursing and a mom of four young kids. I'm not depressed. I'm, you know, I'm not anxious. I'm like, what is it? And I heard that term and I was like, that's it. Research from the Ohio State College of Nursing finds two out of three parents meet the criteria for parental burnout. 83% work full-time. Officials in Ukraine say at least 25 civilians have been wounded in Russian shelling in eastern Kramatorsk, the same city where dozens were killed in a missile strike on a train station last month. Correspondent Deborah Pata is in Ukraine. The harder Russia flexes its military muscle, the harder Ukrainians fight back. And they've been joined by American fighters like Manus, blinded by shrapnel. I can take it. I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm a man. I'm strong. It's the kids and the old, old people who I really worry about. In Washington, hey guys, we gotta... more fencing went up overnight around the Supreme Court as groups both for and against abortion rights continue protests over the